Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. This is Paul Doherty, your host, and I am so honored that you're listening to this podcast. I hope that you share it with some friends. It's a new year, a new season. Welcome to 2018. We are going to be uploading some great episodes this year, some guest speakers, some interviews that I'm doing with some great leaders out there in the world. I can't wait for you to hear some of our future episodes, but this very first one of 2018, I'm really excited about. This was a word that God put on my heart for our staff at Victory. Uh, We have several staff members that lead our ministry. We're not just a church. We are a Christian school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have a Bible college. Uh, We have a Tulsa Dream Center where we're helping uh, those that are in poverty in our city. And then, of course, we also have our regular services here and our campuses in other towns. So I poured into our staff a talk about culture. And you've maybe heard the quote, culture eats vision for lunch. You can have a great vision, but if you have a toxic culture, the vision will never come to pass. So culture is the kind of values that you as an organization carry and as a leader, the the values that you care about, that you're really um, concerned about keeping in your life. And so we're going to talk about the 11 culture values that my wife and I set for our church and that we hold ourselves accountable, we hold our staff accountable, our core team leaders, that we're going to model this from the top down and that if we can carry this kind of culture, there's no vision that's too big for us to accomplish with the right culture. I know this is going to help you, so stay tuned in. It's about 15 minutes. Let's jump right into this talk, the 11 culture values of victory. Check it out. We are here to bring the kingdom of God to Tulsa, Oklahoma and beyond. We are not here just to be a nice little church. We're not here just to be a nice little Christian school. We're not here just to be another option for a Bible college. We are here to bring heaven down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We want heaven in the neighborhoods of Tulsa, through the Dream Center, through the school, through the Bible college. We're serious about being the best we can be. And it starts with the culture that we carry. And so we have 11 cultural values. Number one, We have a culture of joy. Joy. We want to have fun. We think God wants us to enjoy him and not just endure him. We think God wants us to enjoy church and not just endure church. Everybody say joy. Abraham Lincoln said most people are as happy as they've decided to be. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is a choice. It's an inside job. I can't make you joyful. Your paycheck can't make you joyful. Your supervisor can't make you joyful. Your department can't make you. You got to make yourself joyful. You got to decide today I'm walking in joy. You say, well, how does that how does that make our ministry better? People are looking for the real Jesus. And when they look at your face, (laughs) they go, that's a cute face. But you know what? When you have a bad attitude or you just act mean or you act just unfriendly or just unhappy to be at work, oh, I got to do this again. I got to, oh, these students are driving me crazy. You know what you're doing? You're turning people away from Jesus. You're not just turning people away from victory. You're turning people away from Jesus. We have a culture of joy because we want people to meet the real Jesus when they come, when they come to victory. Number two, a culture of celebration celebration we just got done doing that y'all know what it is 
It's, it's encouraging each other. It's celebrating the wins. The Hebrew people, God commanded them to celebrate. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. He said, I want you celebrating. I want you throwing festivals. I want you reminding yourselves what I did during Esther's time, what I did during Moses' time. I want you to get together and give each other shout outs and shout out what God's done. Celebrate the wins. Last night after the national championship, all these big things were blowing off and they were celebrating. And it was sad because OU should have won. Number three, we are a culture of expectancy. We expect that the best is always in front of us. The best is yet to come. Turn to someone next to you and say, our best days are right in front of us. Hey, guys, expectancy. We're a culture of expectancy. That means our best church services haven't happened yet. Every weekend we come expectant. We come expectant. We don't just treat Christmas and Easter with expectancy. We treat January 18th with expectancy. We treat January 21st with expectancy. We treat the month of February with expectancy. We treat every Wednesday night service with expectancy. Whether T.D. Jakes is preaching or whether yours truly is preaching. Whether my wife's up to preach or whether it's my mom or whether it's Joyce Meyer, our expectancy is not contingent on who the speaker is. It's not contingent on what week it is. It's not contingent on whether, you know, Easter's happening. We should treat every weekend like Easter. We should be excited to invite people to church every week. And we should treat Easter like Jesus is coming back. It's the rapture weekend. We got to get excited and expected that the best is always in front of expectant people. Take notes. I'm not looking around, but I'm just saying. There's this lean in. There's this hunger, this thirst. Number four, we're a culture of gratitude. Everybody say give thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18 says give thanks in all things. So we want to be a thankful church. When people come here, we want them to feel like we're thankful that they showed up. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting your kids in at Victory Christian School. Thank you for letting us coach your children. Thank you for bringing your kids to Children's Church. Thank you for being part of Victory. I want to just say thank you for serving this church. Thank you to every employee in the room. To the person next to you, say thank you. Say, I'm thankful for you. Gratitude does affect your altitude. Grateful people go higher in life. They really do. I've never made a grateful person that gets more and more demoted. The more grateful you are, the higher you go. I'm telling you, grateful people are happier people. I remember going through the drive-thru at Taco Bueno, 11.58 p.m., two minutes before they're closing. And this girl was standing at the drive-thru window and handing me my bean burrito and, and my cheese nachos. And she said, hey. I said, hey. She said, I'm so glad you came to Taco Bueno. I thought she knew me. I was like, you go to Victory? She's like, Victory? <laughs> I was like, oh, you're just being nice. <laughs> she goes, yeah. She's like, I don't know what Victory is, but she said, I'm just, I'm just thanking all our customers that are coming through tonight. And I just, honestly, I got a little teary-eyed because I just thought, they're closing right now. Most people, when someone drives up in the two minutes right before you're about to close, are kind of like, oh, the last customer. Here's your burrito. 
And yet here she was, she was just thankful. And what if we carried that same gratitude as pastors, as facility workers, as teachers, as coaches, and we did it even in the last minute of the day of when we're leaving. Number five, we're a culture of servant leadership. We're all here to serve. We're not here to be served. We're not entitled people. We're John 13 kind of people. We're, we're doing what Jesus did. We're washing each other's feet. Uh, we're not demanding our way. We're flexible. Servant leaders are flexible. They don't get bent out of shape when things change. When you got to set up a room one way and then they turn around and tell you to set it up another way. Uh, we don't get bent out of shape when there's trash on the floor and we're the only one around. We got to pick up the trash. That's part of our job. We are all here to clean up this building. We're all looking for ways to make things better. That's what servant leaders do. At Chick-fil-A, they actually have such a strong culture of servant leadership at their, their headquarters that uh, they have their, their highest leaders are always on the floor serving the employees at lunchtime. They have a cafeteria at the bottom of the thing. And so at lunchtime, they all come down and you've got vice presidents that are passing the lunch off to interns and off to, you know, new employees. And I just thought, man, that's amazing. We need to do that here. And uh, even though we don't really all eat lunch together sometime, we just need to do that in our cafeteria. By the way, Paul Harbaugh, I'm so thankful for you. You do a great job in the cafeteria. You are such a servant leader. You go above and beyond. You really do. Man, we are blessed. We are blessed to have you. Number six, we are a culture of excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. We give our best at whatever we do and we make it better. Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 says that they were distinguished by an excellent spirit among everyone in the kingdom. They distinguished themselves by their excellence. They weren't sloppy. They didn't give sloppy work. They didn't show up late. They didn't, uh, uh, you know, show up and just maintain things. They didn't have a mediocre effort. They went the extra mile. I love the story about Rebecca in the Bible, how when she met Isaac, she not only took care of Isaac's water, she took care of all of his camel's water, back and forth, bringing buckets of water. She was going above and beyond. She was exceeding his expectations. When the queen of Sheba arrived in Solomon's kingdom, she was overwhelmed by the excellence that every employee was going above and beyond. They weren't doing a mediocre effort job. They weren't working for a paycheck. They were working to bring the kingdom down to earth. They were working with strong, excellent hands. So excellence. Think about what you're doing. Don't just do it when, when people are watching. God's watching your, your work. He's watching the graphics. He's watching the finances. He's watching the details. He's watching, he's watching every part of our job. And when we work under the Lord, and we work under the Lord with, just for His glory, all of a sudden, it changes the way we work. Number seven, we're a culture of unity. We are strife stoppers, peacemakers, bridge builders, team players. Yeah, there we go. Got it. Unity. Everybody say unity. The Bible says that where there's unity among the brethren, the blessing of the Lord flows. This is a year for accelerated blessings, accelerated harvest. We are at the ripe time for harvest because we're unified. 
And so let's not let any division get between us. If there's gossip, if there's strife, shut it down. If you, if you find yourself in a divisive conversation where people are trying to stir up this team versus that team, people do this. People have been doing this for thousands of years. People did this back during Moses' time. I'm with Team Korah. I'm with Team Moses. They did this during David's time. I'm for Team Absalom. I'm for Team David. When my mom started having me preach on Saturday nights, there was people that said, I'm, I'm with Team Paul. I said, no, 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 there are no teams. There were people who go, I'm with Team Sharon. Well, I'm with Team Paul. Stop. Stop trying to divide my mom and I. We're on the same team. We're on Team Victory. We're on Team Jesus. Well, some go, I'm for Team John. I'm for Team Mark. I'm for Team AJ. How about we're all for Team Victory? How about we're all for Team Jesus? How about we stop trying to stir up rivalries and competitions and teams and we get unified and we realize the blessing of the Lord flows when we stop trying to compete with each other and we start completing each other. I can't do what I do without Mark, John, Daniel, AJ. You can't do what you do without those sisters, those brothers, those people uh, uh, that, that need you and you need them. Everybody say unity brings the blessing. Number eight, we're a culture of consistent generosity. Consistent generosity. We want to give on a weekly basis. We want to give as often as we can. We want to be generous with our finances. Can I just say this? Your generosity unlocks God's prosperity. How many of you want to prosper this year in your finances? Okay, about half of us. How many of y'all want to prosper this year in your finances? All right, there we go. We're getting closer to 100%. You know, God's the greatest financial planner he is. He has a financial plan for you to prosper. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to be at peace with your finances. But you have to give God something to work with. You have to trust God. The Bible says there's principles to prosperity. And the principle is the tithe and the offering. A tithe is 10% of what you make. So if you make $1,000 a week, that's 100 bucks. If you make $1,000 a month, then that's $25 a week, adding up to $100 a month. You say, well, Paul, that sounds really legalistic. Well, you can decide what you want to do with your money, but it will affect your future, and it will affect God's prosperity in your life. And when you think your money is all your money and you don't put any focus as if God gave you that job, God hooked you up, God is somehow connected to blessing your life, when you pull God out of the equation, Watch your life fall to pieces. I know that's harsh, but it's truth. You can't do this without God. This is the year to prosper like never before, to have accelerated prosperity. And it starts with trusting him with your tithe, with the 10% of what you make. And with an offering, if you say, you know, I'm going to set a little bit aside on top of my tithe that I want to put towards the 12 and 12 new missions projects that we're launching as a church. I'm going to set a little bit on top of my tithe that I want to help give to uh, some different missions organizations that I know of. That's awesome. That's great. All I say is be consistent with your generosity. Don't do it once a year. Don't do it when you just feel like doing it. Make a strategy. Make a plan that every week, 
This is coming to the side. This is set apart for my abundance. This is set apart to prosper my future. This is set apart to remind myself that God is still in control. That, that, that man is not my source. That victory is not my source. That God is my source. So every, every time I get a paycheck, I'm going to put some aside. And I'm going to practice consistent generosity. And I'm going to watch God bless my finances like never before. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Number nine, integrity. We're a culture of integrity. We want to do the right thing when no one's watching. We want to be people of our word. We want to be honest. This was something my dad was so good at. Just integrity. Integrity. We're going to do the right thing. Even when it hurts. We're going to keep our word. We're going to guard ourselves against hypocrisy. We're going to only spend money that we have money to spend. Instead of saying, I'll ask for forgiveness, we're going to ask for permission. So many people do this. They say, well, let's just, let's not ask for permission. Let's just ask for forgiveness. They'll forgive us. They can cover it. It's just an extra hundred bucks. Come on, we need to get some more food. Let's go down to Sam's. Let's grab some stuff. I know we don't have a budget for it, but let's just do it, and then we'll ask for forgiveness. That's not integrity. That's not integrity. And then you ask us to cover your lack of integrity. This is not a year to do that. This is a year to say, you know what? If it's not in the budget, it's not in the budget. If we don't have permission to do it, we're not going to ask for forgiveness. We're going to wait until there is permission. And if there's not permission, we're going to find out what we can do. And we're not going to complain. We're going to be resourceful. We're going to figure out a way to bring the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It's not about our style, our preference. It's not our jersey. It's God's jersey. We're going to make the most of what God wants us to do. Number 10, we're a culture of equipping. Equipping. We want to equip people. We want to empower people. We want to multiply people in our ministry. We want to raise up the next Jim Cherries. We want to raise up the next Ashley Doherty's. We want to raise up the next AJ's and Daniel's and Sarah's and Sharon's and, and Wakely's. We want to raise up those people that are in this ministry and in our school that have a calling on their life. We want to find them and pull them in and say, hey, come and learn what I do. Learn from me. This is what Paul did. He raised up Timothy. This is what Jesus did. He raised up Peter and all the disciples. The only way victory multiplies is if we continue to equip. And so I want you to be on the lookout. Everybody say, be on the lookout. Look for people that belong on this staff. Look for those people that, that they don't even have to be super young. They could be someone that's older than you. But look for someone that God's called to this staff. And when you look for them, say, I'm going to start teaching you. Would you give three hours of your week or an hour a month to come and learn what I do? You say, but Paul, I, I want to be irreplaceable. I don't want anybody to know my secrets. I don't want them to figure out my formulas on how I'm so successful at my job. I got to be irreplaceable. If you're irreplaceable, you are replaceable. Because we are not a culture of being irreplaceable. We are a culture of equipping. You are more valuable to this ministry when you teach other people what you do. You are more valuable to the ministry when you raise up and empower and equip more people around you. And that's, that's the Jesus-style leadership right there. That's what Jesus did himself. Number 11, we are a culture of community. And that's it. We want to create a culture of friendships. 
We're reaching beyond ourselves. We care about being connected and connecting with, the, with others. When you go on vacation, I want you on that last day to just kind of have one thought. I look forward to seeing my friends when I come back to work. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I need a revelation on that. <laughs> like, I could use a couple more weeks away from these people. We want to create an environment and a community where we look forward to working with each other. I don't want to dread going to work with you. I don't want you to dread going to work with me. And if you do, ask God to change your heart or ask God to change your vocation. Be friends with each other. Hang out. Go on double dates. I don't know if that's scriptural. Acts chapter 2 says they ate together in each other's houses. Hello. Acts chapter 4 says the church grew rapidly as they were meeting in homes and hanging out together and building neighborhoods together and doing fun things together. We want community. We want you to like each other. We want you to go out to lunch with each other when you can. Even on an off day that you guys, you know, maybe this summer do a barbecue together in 2018. Why did we do house parties in December? We're trying to cultivate more community in the church. Why do I ride my bike? bicycle during church services. I'm trying to stir up some joy in the atmosphere. I hope that was as helpful for you as it was for our team here at Victory. Those 11 culture values are so important to us. We know that if we can model those and keep those at the forefront of our ministry, our organization, it's going to help us accomplish the vision that God has for us. I believe this, that as you get better, God will make sure that you get bigger. But if you're more focused on getting bigger instead of just getting better, you're going to miss out on all the multiplication God wants to do. I've always believed that if we're fruitful and faithful with what God's given us and where God has us, He's going to multiply our efforts. And so today you heard about what it looks like for us to be fruitful and faithful. It's carrying those 11 culture values. I want to pray for you that you would have culture values in your life, in your ministry, in your church, that you would talk about culture. You would talk about the kind of culture you want to see uh, in the thing that you're leading, the people that you're leading, and then hold yourselves accountable. We've printed off culture cards that we put off in all of our departments and in their offices just as reminders when they walk into their office that they see those 11 culture values, that it's a day to choose joy, that we're choosing community, that we're going to be equippers. And so uh, I would encourage you to even take your team through this podcast again. Listen to it a second time with some team members and talk about what your culture values are. Lord, I pray for all the listeners today. I pray that they would have their best day yet, their best year yet in 2018. And God, I pray that you'd give them just supernatural, spirit-filled, faith-filled vision and culture. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Make sure that you're tuning in, subscribing to the podcast for future episodes right here at Learning to Lead.